Blog Talk Radio. Donna Jones is a national speaker guiding women to the wisdom they need for the life they want. She's the author of Seek, A Woman's Guide to Meeting God and Taming the Family Zoo. Donna's a sucker for strong coffee and cute shoes. She and her pastor hubby have three wildly funny young adult kids who frequently sit on her kitchen counter just to chat. You can learn more about Donna at DonnaJones.org. Let's welcome Donna now. Expectation without communication leads to frustration. This this one quote, my husband and I have probably repeated this to each other about a thousand times, and it came came out of the funniest story when we were first married uh, decades ago, and we had one of those moments where we had this little routine. We ended our night every night with, uh, we worked really long hours that first year. We'd come home late at night. We'd get our jammies on. We'd turn the TV on. We'd watch about 10 minutes, and we'd go into the kitchen, and we'd get ourselves a bowl of vanilla ice cream. And so one night, um, we're, we got our jammies on. We're ha- we are watching TV. My husband goes into the kitchen. He brings back one bowl of vanilla ice cream. Oh. And for whatever reason, I, I, I don't know if I was just really tired or I was just <laughs> you know, an idiot. I don't know why, but it just made me really mad. And so where's my bowl of ice cream? And so innocently he's eating his ice cream and he says, well, what do you mean? And I said, honey, we do this every night. How could you not know I would want a bowl of ice cream? And he says, well, Donna, how would I know you want a bowl of ice cream unless you told me you want a bowl of ice cream? So I go stomping into the kitchen and I'm just, you know, jerking open the freezer and, and pulling out the silverware drawers. And I'm thinking, I have buried the most insensitive man and he decides he's going to take out the garbage at that exact moment. So he goes off to, to take out the garbage. It was summertime. Our windows are open. You had to pass the kitchen window to take out the garbage. So he passes the kitchen window. I see him. I'm putting my ice cream in. He comes back. He puts his face right up to the screen of our window. And he looks at me and he says, expectation without communication leads to frustration. (laughs) And I laughed so hard because it's so true. So it kind of became a mantra in our marriage and, um, and it's something that, you know, I've tried for years and years. So that's where that was. It sounds like you figured that out sooner than me. I remember after a third child was born and I'd been able to juggle the two kids pretty well. And then the third child was born and it was Sunday morning. We were getting ready to go, you know, and we went early. We went early and did Sunday school and church and the whole day, you know, thing. And I'm trying to get this third baby ready to go. And Dave's on the couch reading his magazine like he always is on Sunday mornings. And I come around the corner into the living room and I'm like, I could use a little help here. And he put his magazine down and he goes, all you had to do was ask. Exactly. And I was like, oh, oh. Exactly. How could I be three children in and then not ask? <laughs> That's right. We usually communicate, but we communicate yeah. 
too late. And it's with well, a lot of frustration. You know, and the difference between men and women too, you know, where guys, you need to tell them, whereas women are very intuitive. And we, you know, I remember years ago, I said one of the, uh, probably the thing that always disappoints me the most about my husband is that he's not one of my girlfriends. But then in the end, that's a really good thing. That's but really in the moment, <laughs> I'm really frustrated because he doesn't behave like a girl. I feel the way I feel because I think the way I think. I'm telling you, you can go to the bank on this one. Yeah, for sure. I feel the way I feel because I think the way I think. And the, I mean, the Bible is so clear. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. As a woman thinks in her heart, so is she. And this one came about, um, actually, I was lying in bed one night and my mind was just, to be honest with you, spinning with worry. And I was laying there and, you know, I tried praying and I, but the, my prayers weren't really prayers of release. They were prayers of rehearsal. So in other words, I was just rehearsing my problems to God in my mind <laughs> instead of really praying and trusting and releasing my problems to God. And I realized I'm feeling the way I'm feeling because I'm thinking the way I'm thinking. And honestly, Marnie, this Bible verse, I'm just laying there in the dark, and this Bible verse comes to my mind from Romans that says, um, the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And in my, I'm laying there in the dark, and all of a sudden, I just realized there's these two paths. The mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the spirit is life and peace. And I realized I can tell like that where my mind is, if it's on the flesh or on the, on the spirit, depending upon the outcome. Am I, am I experiencing death, you know, in my thoughts and, right. in, you know, with worry and negativity and, and anxiety and being critical or anything that's, right. or am I experiencing life and peace? And if I trace it back, it's all, it's all what is going on in my mind. So I feel the way I feel right. because I think the way I think. Yeah. So Sometimes it's so easy to try to, we try to manage our emotions without managing our thoughts. And that's impossible. Well, and I like that thought about the rehearsal too. That's really cool. I like that, how you said that. Um, it's very nice. That's very kind. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really a lot of times what we're doing is we're just really complaining to God. That's, that's yeah. kind of really what we're doing instead of really releasing, like you said. But you have to, you know, you have to, it takes a lot of faith to actually release it to God, to actually give it yeah. to him. And it, it feels impossible in the moment. Uh, I was just talking to somebody about this this morning, you know, where you get in this train of thought and it's like a merry-go-round. And when it first started, maybe you could get off, but now it's just spinning, like, and you're yeah. scared to let go because it feels really terrifying to let it go. You don't know what's going to come instead of it, you know, if you let it go. But that's really what God's always calling us to do is to release that to him and then let him fill that space with something better. Yeah, it's so true what you said, though, too, that you can tell whether the thoughts are from God or not from God, depending on how your spirit feels. Are you dying? Is it crushing you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> or is it right. bringing you life? I yeah. love that. I love that. Think about what you think about. Yeah, and this kind of, this really goes, this dovetails with what we were just talking about, because in Philippians um, 4, it talks about, you know, whatever's true, whatever's right, whatever's noble, whatever's excellent, 
if there is anything, um, you know, praiseworthy, let your mind think about these things. And so here's the thing. I think, um, it, you know, we think about whatever, right? <laughs> whatever. You know, we think about whatever's on, uh, on the radio right now or whatever is on social media or whatever is the next thing. But there's a God's whatever. And his whatever is whatever's true, right, noble, excellent. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we, I had to get to the place where I, I asked myself, do I think about what I think about? Or do I just think? Yep. And then I wonder, again, why I'm feeling the way I'm feeling. Right. It's because I'm not thinking about what I'm thinking about. So when I became conscious, or I, I should be honest with you, Marnie, and say when I am being conscious because I don't right. have this down yet. Anybody else? I'm just, you know, a Christ right. follower trying to, to follow as best I can. Absolutely. But when I think about what I think about, it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, it 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 transforms me. It makes me grateful and thankful and appreciative and accepting and loving and faith-filled and um, it, it, it just, gosh, it's revolutionary. It really is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And, and, you know, the reason why don't we do it more is because we're actually, since we were tiny, tiny, we were are in the habit of doing it ourselves. Yeah. That's what we grew up doing. We grew yeah. up doing it without God. And so we have millions, literally millions of experiences that we did without running to God. And so yeah. it, takes, it takes conscious effort and continual work to focus our thoughts on Christ. I mean, it's just, it's, I always say my full-time job is choosing joy. That's my full-time job. And then I have all this other stuff I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so awesome. That's the mind, you know, the mind automatically reverts to, I can fix it myself. I should do it myself. It's all about me. You know, I mean, all those thoughts a two-year-old has, those are deeply ingrained in us since we yeah. time. You know, yeah. so you know what, in our house, and I kind of, I'm kind of digging the fact that we're sitting in my kitchen because I feel like so much of my aha moments happen in, in my kitchen. But um, one of the things that, um, that we say in, in our, at our, our house is that um, we, it's so easy to get on a spiral. You know, like yeah. we... You know, we yeah. think about one thing and then we think about it again and again and oh, again and again. And it's like we never spiral up to happy land. Like a woman just doesn't spiral. She just doesn't. We just don't spiral up to is that <laughs> we, go, we go down. So that's why yep. we got to think about what we think about. Mm-hmm. For sure. For sure. No, it's it's so important. And I love I love the quotes. Uh, I feel the way I feel because I think the way I feel, I, I think think about what you think about and then we're just going to shift gears just a little bit to go into the next one my job isn't to produce fruit for christ my job is to abide in christ and he promises to produce the fruit in me my go-to chapter in the bible is john chapter 15 it is honestly i i i camp in this so much i i live in this so much to me this was the most freeing truth because I became a Christian as a child. And so, um, you know, I was always kind of raised, you know, be a good girl and do the right thing, which is awesome by the way. But the, the downside to that is that I subtly began to believe that 
producing fruit for Christ was my responsibility. And so I would, you know, the fruits of the spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So I found myself Christian. So I need to be loving. Uh, I'm a good Christian. So I need to be patient mom. How come I'm not a patient mom? I'm a Christian. So I need to have self-control and on and on. And I, I just wore myself out trying to produce this fruit. And when I went back and looked at what Jesus himself said, is that my job is not to produce the fruit. That's Jesus's right. job. Right. My job is to abide in Jesus. And that word means stay connected, remain in Jesus. And if I, like a branch, stays connected to the vine, if I just stay connected to Jesus, then he produces the fruit in me. It's like, you know, an orange tree doesn't have to, you know, gut out an orange. I mean, it just produces an orange because that's what it is. And in the same way, when we as Christ followers just stay connected to Jesus, and the key is staying connected to Jesus. Because the minute we're believers, we are connected, but sometimes we start to function like we're not. And then that's, that's when we start struggling in our Christian life. And so, gosh, it's just like, I, I just really come back to that over and over again. So that's how it is such a huge difference from thinking that we're supposed to be the producers. Mm -hmm. We're supposed to be the bearers, the fruit bearers, the fruit hangs off of our life, ready to be plucked away by whoever needs it right then, love, joy, peace, whatever. But yes. we're not supposed to keep, you know, and, yeah. and the thing I constantly say to God is I'm out of patience or I'm out of love or I'm out of something for this person right now, but you've got plenty. So just flow some through me. I mean, it's this amazing opportunity we have to not have to produce it ourselves. Yeah. And it is depressing. It's depressing as a Christian to look at your life and think, I don't have it. I can't come up with it. I got nothing. <laughs> I've got worse than nothing. I've actually got something nasty for you right now. Yeah. <laughs> But then there's, yeah. there's this great hope and confidence and the reality that because we are connected to the vine at any time we need it, pour it through us. I mean, yeah. it's so beautiful. It's so Gosh. freeing. It, that's it. It's yeah. so freeing. And I am and actually kind of the genesis for me even kind of camping in this came about because um, one Christmas season, I, this was many years ago, I just felt completely overwhelmed and completely um, just like, I don't know. I just feel like the Christian life, you know, I hear all these messages about how the Christian life was supposed to be. And in in my heart, it was like, how come this is, how come I'm struggling so much? How come this seems so hard? And I actually ended up in my bedroom in this rocking chair and I had my Bible open and I was just praying to the Lord, and I found myself saying over and over to the Lord, I just can't do this. I, I just can't do this. I, Lord, I just can't do this. Right. And a, a few times in my life, Marnie, I have felt like the Holy Spirit just, yeah. I, I could just hear his sweet voice, and he just said to me, sweet girl, I know you can't, but I can't. And that's point you can't but I can't and it was like I, it's so simple it I those aha moments usually are so simple they are but um 
when you finally grasp the hold of that and and it becomes your reality, the way you live and function, I'm telling you it's a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And and this one is just so pivotal that you know, and I think if we I've always said this, if we were to sit down with most preachers or Christian women speakers or teachers or anybody, they would agree with us that it's God doing it through us. Mm-hmm. But it is not something that we hear from the pulpit or from the platform very often. Yeah. Mostly we're hearing about what we should do or, you know, whatever. And mm-hmm. it's so much about stepping down and letting God do it. You know what I mean? It's just so much about that. And there's so much, so much joy and freedom. Yeah. Love, yeah. love, love it. Yeah. My focus determines my future. Yeah. Well, um, gosh, this can be, this really came about because uh, I was studying, you know, the Bible and I just was struck with how much the Bible just said, you know, fix your eyes on me. Jesus is like, you know, fix your eyes on me, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And it's so easy, especially as women. I, I don't know about you, but I'm a multitasker. Are you a multitasker? Absolutely. Like insane. So I, it's really easy for me to get distracted as a multitasker because I'm doing, I think most women are, to be honest with you. We've got families and jobs and house, you know, apartments and studies. Yeah. So um, it's really easy for us to, you know, get distracted. But, um, you know, the Bible just says, okay, keep your eyes fixed on Jesus you know, let him be your focus. And uh, we went on this little family vacation up to a lake in here in Southern California. And a family had built a home up by the lake. And they said, hey, you guys, why don't you go up and just, you know, take a week and enjoy this, our home. And you can use the toys that are there. And we said, free is always great. So yes, of course, it's free. We'll do it. So um, they had kayaks. And so our family took kayaks out. They had two kayaks and my son and daughter, um, they get in a kayak and it's just so pristine and so beautiful. My husband says, Hey, I want to try it. My husband gets in the kayak. He flips his kayak. Um, and he was just a disaster. So he stopped my youngest daughter then decides she wants to kayak only I'm not putting her with my husband because she would drown. So I put her with her brother and she was only six years old. He was 13 at the time. So um, she gets in. She's just seen what's happened with her dad. And so she holds on to him, her brother, so tightly, he, he couldn't breathe practically. But he was so sweet. He didn't, say, he didn't say a word to her. He just let her hold on tight. So I watched as they kind of made their way around the lake. And I noticed that she started to get comfortable and she released her death grip on her brother <laughs> and she put her hands then down in the sides and she started looking outside the boat and, oh. and, you know, it was just beautiful. But then I noticed that um, she looked at the lake and then she took her finger and she dipped it in the lake and uh, it must've been cold because she brought her finger up, but she felt good. So she dipped it in again, only she leaned sideways. And when she did, the boat flipped over. The kayak flipped over. Yep. Well, my 13-year-old and my 6-year-old are in the middle of this lake. I mean, in, in the middle. And I'm standing on the shore um, completely dressed. 
And I hear my six-year-old scream to the top of her lungs, I'm drowning, I'm drowning, I'm going to die, I'm going to die. And I'm thinking, how is my 13-year-old going to handle his six-year-old little sister who's literally going crazy? He swims over to her and he says, Ashton, Ashton, look at my face, look at my face. And she says, no, no, I can't, I can't, I'm drowning, I'm drowning. He goes, Ashton, look at my face. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to get you back in the boat. I'm going to get you safely back to shore. No, don't, Ashton, look at my face. I'm going to pick you up. I'm going to put you back in the boat. I'm going to get you safely back to shore. Well, finally, she relented, and he just very gently picked her up, put her back in the boat. He climbed in himself, and just he just paddled them back to the shore. Well, a few days later, I was reading my Bible just about keeping our eyes fixed on Jesus and this other passage that, about how we're to hold fast, love the Lord your God, walk in all his ways, and hold fast to him. And I was like, that's it. That's such a beautiful picture about how we are to live our lives, just holding on so tightly to Christ, focusing on him when our life does go tipsy-turvy, realizing he's saying to us, okay, sweet girl, you just look at my face. I'll pick you up. I'll put you back in the boat. I'm going to get you someplace safe. So the, um, you know, that, that's where that aha moment came in because it really does. Our focus determines our future. It really does. I'm sorry. What? It sounds like I'm saying things double. Can you hear double? Oh, you know what? Uh, every once in a while, but I'm okay. I think, okay. yeah. Great. <laughs> well, we are practically out of time here. Um, I do want to, if you have, do you have a life verse or a theme verse for life that you would want to share for us? Maybe a favorite one? Well, I mentioned that John 15, yeah. uh, you know, I, yes, I do. And actually it's John 15, 16. And it, which where Jesus says, and to me, this is, this is applies to you, Marnie, and me, and every one of the people that are listening right now to us live or will listen to this. And it's where Jesus says, you didn't choose me. I chose you to go and bear fruit, fruit that would last. And that is what Jesus, he wants us to know that he chose us and he chose us for a purpose that we would go and bear fruit and that our fruit would last. That's my, that's my verse. I love that. We just can't, uh, we can't possibly outlove him. He's just they're busy loving us and flowing his life and love through us. Thank you, Donna. Thanks for your life and for your ministry as a Christian woman speaker. You guys, if you want more information about Donna, you can check out her Facebook page. Of course, that's in the comments there, as well as over at womenspeakers.com. Or what's the best um, what's the best website address for you, Donna? It's DonnaJones.org. And you'll find there's lots of free resources there. There's free Bible studies that I've written, my books. Um, my blog, all, all of that is at DonnaJones.org. Kim McQuitty is an author, speaker, and premarital Christian counselor. Through her personal marriage experience and ministry to women, Kim founded Wife Ready to prepare women for marriage beyond the wedding day. You can learn more about her ministry at WifeReady.org. Let's bring Kim in now to share her first aha quote. 
it's about serving. It's serving one another. The Bible says to do it as unto the Lord. Because there are going to be seasons where you don't want to serve him and he don't want to serve you. But whatever the issues may be going on. But long as you do it as unto the Lord, he will give you the grace of serving those seasons when it's trying and when it's difficult. Which is, from my perspective, part of the reason why he has it be a public uh, public ceremony, um, the wedding. Because you're not just saying to this person, I'm going to hang with you as long as I feel comfortable doing this. You're saying this is a commitment before God, before others to you. Yeah. And it starts with your commitment to God. Your children will learn the most about marriage by observing yours. They will. I, that statement got me in trouble, Marty. My husband was a creative guy. My husband was a creative guy. I came from a tra- tra- traditional home where my dad worked, uh, worked a job, and my mom stayed home. So she was a, a, a home homemaker. That's what the model that I thought for myself. I didn't just marry a man, just be married. I married a guy with a vision for his life. And it, it did not include being a nine to five guy. So that, my first book is called Me, My Man and His Music, My Life as a Musician's Wife. And I write the story about how difficult it was for me to adapt to this non-traditional creative person that God had called me to walk alongside when I'm for the tradition and the stability that I grew up in. Right. So that, it really got me in trouble. And then there's a flip side of that because the parental impact is everything. Your biggest impact on how relationships work or don't work will be from the person that you saw modeled before you. It is going to be your parents. Either you're going to seek for what they have or you're going to run for what you saw. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And as parents, I, you know, I always talk to moms about, you know, I do a holiday boot camp that helps women to prepare better for the holidays because everything that we're doing is teaching our kids how they're going to do it. Either, like you say, how they're going to do it or how they're not going to do it. They're going to run from it or, uh, you know, want to do it the same way. And this marriage thing is so important. One of the things that that brings up in my mind, too, is just the way that kids pit partners against each other. Um, It's just kind of a natural way of things with children is to try to get mom to be against dad and dad against mom. And that's just a really fun, you know, lightning show to watch. Uh, for a child, but uh, one of the things that we need to work on too is again parenting with Christ with our spouse and and modeling that part. I I really loved this quote. Your children will learn most about marriage by observing yours. Marry someone who will complement your purpose, not compete with it. I, I I do a lot of Insta stories on Instagram, and that quote was just kind of downloaded in my spirit one day and because marriage is about purpose it's not about you just having someone to do life with and that's important companionship you know god has given us the the wherewithal to desire companionship and relationship yes that is a huge part of it but it's a it's something that you can do better together than you cannot do apart and that marriage is about purpose so you should have a purpose partner your ministry your purpose should complement one another if you marry someone and, you know, and I tell people, I, this, I use this example all the time, if God has called you to the mission field and you marry a guy from farmersonly.com, you're probably going to have a problem because he's not going to be one of the child of the world. He's going to be out doing his thing, but you have to, so you, you got to make sure that you're in the same vein, you're in the same mindset because when a man, God calls a man, he calls his family. So your, your, your purpose should come complete one another. It should not, you had to compete for doing what God put in your heart to do. 
yes, your wife, your mom was talking with someone the other day, and she said, I can't find out who I am outside of my wife and mom. I said, there's something more for you to do. I say, there's a season for that because you only have a small window of time with your kids. And then, you know, they're going on, you raising them to be adults. But for the most part, there is something inside of everyone that God has called us to do. And we have to make sure we know what that is. Go into the mirror with that so he won't be able to feel threatened from the, from the beginning. And you guys can walk in sync with what God has called you all to do. That's cool. I want to do a follow-up question on that, though, because um, we change so much, and God's mission changes in us. I mean, there's so much change that goes on, too, especially, you know, decades of marriage. There's tremendous change in in who we are in Christ as well as what he has us doing. You know, somebody might be... Um, you know, well, in our family, you know, Dave was in human resources for years, and then we were entrepreneurs for years. Now we're in a different stage again. And um, there has to be this willingness to flex and to roll and to change. When you say that, I went directly to make sure that your hearts are in line with each other. Like our hearts are both to follow Jesus, to do what he called us to do, to do that as a couple going together into whatever, you know, not that we have to, you know, I'm not doing Dave's work in his office. He's not doing it in mine. But um, to be together as a couple going forward with Christ. And that's the one that, you know, really is the, the crux of it. But then, like you say, when there's, you know, when there's something that's glaringly um, different, one called into missions, the other called to stay and send, you know, I mean, those are two really, really different things. That's, that's going to become problematic in the relationship. And I, I realize that purpose is released like a time capsule over time. Right. Yeah. A whole story of what that looks like, but we have bits and pieces of it as we begin to live our life and God's unfold more and more of his purpose and what he's called us to do. And I believe at the end of the day, like you said, as long as your hearts are aligned and you're willing to do what you have to do to help that person and, and the other one and in return help each other, then your marriage can soar. But if you're, if you go into the thing, into this marriage, with some kind of competition, feeling some kind of way about what you do, or maybe feeling less than that's going to become problematic over, over the course of time. Right, right. And and um, that is why, you know, I think that's why the Bible says, you know, to marry a believer, to don't be unequally yoked, because this is the main basic building block of, of every Christian marriage is that, that uniform unity in Christ um, is there. Marriage is like a marathon with no finish line. When I read that one, I was like, you know, and they've done these studies now, you know, where they put people on treadmills. And if somebody doesn't know when they're going to be able to stop running, they give up way sooner than somebody who knows when they're going to stop running. Thinking, you know, there's no finish line as far as like, you know, a date on a calendar, but there kind of is a finish line out there till death do us part, you know, I mean, you kind of, you know, it's not going to go on forever. I mean, this is, this is a thing that we have here on earth, but I love the analogy of the marathon because that's actually, that's actually what, what it feels like. Yeah. And I, and I said, it's marriage is like a um, marathon with no finish line. And it's not until you're tired of this, but until you, until right. death do you part. A marathon, it's everything you have in you to get to the finish line. And a lot of times along the way you want to stop, you know, a lot of times along the way you want to quit, a lot of times along the way, and the pain, you have to push past the pain. They say when you're a runner, I'm not a runner. I always, I'm a runner in my, in my dreams. But they say when you're a runner, 
that there's this runner's high that you get to after so many miles where you feel like you just run forever. Hmm. And is something you have to keep pushing towards to. You know, there'll be seasons when you'll go through this runner's high and, you're, and your marriage is just plateau. And, you know, it'll go through a, a time where you don't have to push. And there's not as much uh, work involved in that particular season. You're kind of on a float. And then you, there's another season where you have to revving up and you're doing it again. So it, it's, it's like a marathon. It's not a sprint. You're in it for the long run. And the long run is until death do you part, not until divorce do you part. And it again, it always takes both parties willing to make it to the finish line. <laughs> one of the things we've teased about over the years is that we're never going to get a divorce. So if once one of us wants out of this, you're going to have to kill the other one. It's actually not funny, but it kind of is when you're trying. You know, when you're in the relationship, we're just so frustrated. Um, so, and, and there are such great seasons, you know, we were talking about this before we came live, you know, there are such great seasons in marriage where, you know, everything's just romantic and wonderful. And then there's the hard seasons where everything really isn't. Everything's like, oh, I don't know if I can keep doing this, but there's a, you know, the principle of ties in and ties out, you know, uh, these principles, seasons come, seasons go. And just because it's tough today doesn't mean it's going to stay tough. Uh, it, it depends a lot on your response. It depends a lot on your partner's response. And then I always like to say that God is fighting for our marriage. I, I love that God is fighting for our marriage. Yes, I always say uh, tough times don't last. We just don't outlast tough times. Hmm. Yeah. We quit before we see the breakthrough. We quit before, you know, we overcome. We get right to the, to the end of it and we fall by the wayside. Well, the Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. You're going to be doing well for a while before a due season comes. Make sure you outlast the tough times. Don't allow the scars from your past relationship to keep you from the blessings God has for you in the future. You know what? I will be honest and transparent with you. That's something that I felt like the Lord was speaking to me about concerning my marriage. I had, I had married at 20 years old. I didn't have a bad marriage, but there, it wasn't without his trial. And I remember after my husband passed away, I said, God, I'm good. I said, I don't have to be married again. I said, I can just rock this single life. My life was interrupted at 44. I didn't expect my husband to pass away with two, two, two teenage daughters at the time. I said, we'll just, we'll just move forward. It was great. I enjoyed it. I thank you for the opportunity. But I felt like God was speaking to me, say, You're, you are a wife. I said, don't let those difficult times, those challenging times keep you from someone I have for you in the future. And I had to apply that to my life and realize that that was who I was, he and I were one thing. And I completed the assignment that God gave me for Marvin McQuitty. It was until death do me part. I did not divorce him. I did not leave him. He did, I completed what I promised I would do. It was, death was the one that did us part. And God was saying, those cars, those things that you, you, you went through in your relationship, you went through, I have better. I have more. I have more for you. God, my husband was a plan A. He was the one that God had for me. But the next man that God has for me is plan A plus because God does exceedingly and measurably more than we can ask. <laughs> I love the A plus man. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for joining me today and God bless you. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Angela Alexander is a speaker and the author of Miracles in Action, Turning Pain into Power and Grief into Peace. Learn more at miraclesinaction.com. 
I'd like to introduce Angela now as she shares with us a little about the story that she wrote in her book, Miracles in Action. I was in Japan on military duty, and while I was there, my husband and four children were driving down the highway here in California, and a car cut them off. And our truck hit the center divider, and upon impact, they were all knocked unconscious. And then our truck went backwards across that highway and fell 25 feet below and landed upside down on top of two other parked vehicles with people inside those cars. Praise God our carpet on their engine and not their roof. So those people, they were extremely shaken up, but they were okay. However, my two eight-year-old sons passed away instantly at the scene, and I'm in Japan on military duty. And I'm telling you, since then I have retired from the Air Force, and I wrote my book titled Miracles in Action, Turning Pain into Power and Grief into Peace. And Morning is titled that because although my sons died instantly at the scene, God allowed both of them to write and leave behind these incredible goodbye letters. Maurice did not know about Roger's letter, and Roger definitely did not know about Maurice's. Individually, they listened to the Holy Spirit and obeyed. God gave me exactly what I needed to stand right here and praise his holy name. Oh, that is so incredible. And you are such a beautiful example of coming back from, you know, really not the brink of death. You really lost or gone from yes. death and yet into life. Peace is priceless. Oh, my goodness. Peace is priceless. If you had asked me the day before my son's passed, Angelo, what would you do? You know, we always get that question. What would you do if something happens to your children? Right. I right. can't remember answering that question. You have to lock me up, put me on the crazy ward, do whatever you do, go live your life because I'm through. And I could not believe the amount of peace that I was receiving. On that plane ride coming back from Japan, I kept pinching myself because I couldn't believe that, first of all, that I still knew the alphabet. <laughs> Right. But I still my social security number because I, I had, um, I, I had perceived that I would go crazy, and when that didn't happen, the only reason why that didn't happen because Jesus Himself intervened on my behalf, and said, "No, we're going to change this so-called tragedy into a miracle in action." And I'm telling you, when God told me to share this testimony. I was like, oh, no, God, I'm not an author. I'm not a speaker. I gave him a laundry list of why I couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't. You know, <laughs> I walked in disobedience. But I'm telling you, and finally I woke up and I said, I surrender all. God, use me as you choose to. I've always heard, you know, that peace that surpasses your understanding. And I've heard that my whole life read it, but I never experienced that peace until right. that moment. Miracles in Action. So tell us a little bit about how you came up with that title. Oh my goodness, the week my sons passed away is like it was like miracle after miracle after miracle was just happening. Just the fact that I received, you know, the letters. I received Maurice's letter a month before the car crash, almost a month before the car crash, and I received Roger's after I got home back home from Japan. And Maurice Maurice's letter, he was in the third grade. He had a math test at school, finished early, received his A. Now he had to be quiet while his classmates completed their test. And in that quiet time, he wrote this letter to me and my husband. Now he had never written us a letter before, so this is not one of many or any. 
He ran in the house from school the afternoon. He shouted, Mommy, Mommy, Daddy, Daddy, I wrote your letter. I wrote your letter. I said, what do you mean you wrote us a letter? Where are you going? <laughs> and he says, no, Mommy, I just love you. I said, baby, get the checkbook because whatever brother wants, the brother can have too. <laughs> and he wrote, three, he wrote three pages not only expressing that he loved us, but sharing why he loved us. And at the end of all three pages, he wrote the words, bye-bye. Not B-Y-E, B-Y-B-Y, meaning we'll see each other again. By and by, we'll see each other again. Wow. And Roger's letter, um, the Thursday after the memorial program, the, the, the Thursday after I got home, I was standing in my kitchen. I was praying. I was crying. I was praying, dear God, thank you so much for Marisa's letter. It's truly the reason I can stand here right now. But I need to know that Roger's also at peace. And God laid one word on my heart. He said, search. And I'm telling you, I searched my house for over three hours, didn't even know what I was looking for. My family thought I had gone crazy because I flipped their mattress. I took their backpacks, got instrument in the middle of the floor. Wow. I didn't know what I was looking for and didn't find anything. And that very evening, as only God can create it, as only God can orchestrate it, that night was open house at my children's elementary school. I had four children in the same school, second, third, fourth, and fifth grade. We went to, and my girls, they needed some normalcy in their life. Their friends on the block was going to open house. I said, you know what? We're going to go as well. Because we left a house full of people, you know? And we went to Angela's fifth grade class, Angelina's fourth grade class. All of their classmates, they wrote us these hand condolence, love letters, and poems. It literally took me months just to read through the boxes of love. And then we went to Maurice's third grade class, and I walked in this hush just came across the room because the parents didn't know what to say to me. And frankly, I did not know what to say to them. But they circled around me because they wanted to tell me how much they loved and already missed their friend Maurice. And then we walked into Roger's second grade classroom. And I spoke to his teacher, Mrs. Blassie, for a little while. And I asked, like all the parents, all the other parents, what did my son do for open house? And two weeks before the car crash, Mrs. Blackie had given all of her second graders all kind of arts and craft supplies and said, do something for open house. Your parents are coming with no other instructions. And Roger cut out the shape of a house with closed doors. And all the projects were stapled to the wall. I took it down. I opened it up. And it says, Mommy, I have a big backyard and a big house. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute, stop right there, because we actually have the smallest backyard in the block. <laughs> And I have to remember at that moment, he was in transition mode. He was referring to his heavenly home where he does have a big backyard and he does have a big house. And that reminds me of scripture, John 14, 2 and 3, where Jesus said, in our father's house, there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, which he just said he would, I'm going to come again. I'm going to come back and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And I'm telling you, this is the scripture that gives me great peace. This is the scripture that allows me to say, all is well yeah. with yeah. my soul. Right. It is. And, and, and yeah. I'm telling you, I am, and that gives me great peace. That's why I say peace is priceless. Because it brings joy to my heart that my sons are where I want to be one day. They are they they are there. There is their salvation. They are there. They are joyfully jamming with Jesus. They, they are. are. They are. Yeah. 
And there's more that's what's in the book. And that's what's on the back of the book. You guys can go find those over there. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Oh, but it's just such a, you know, um, I remember after my dad died suddenly and he, he did that same kind of thing for us where he just, first of all, supernatural peace that was just like completely unbelievable. And then all these hugs, just these uh, one after another, miracles, miracles, where, you know, you just saw him and he was just saying, it's okay, he's all right, he's with me, you're going to be okay, <laughs> you know, but your story is just so um, huge. You can search for your miracles or your misery. The choice is yours, but whatever you want, wants you. I love that last line, whatever you want, wants exactly. you. Exactly. Oh my goodness, it's so true. Miracles or your misery. The choice is really yours. I mean, I could be, I could have a doom and gloom life and complain, you know, my son's died and, 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 but, or I can flip the script and say, you know, let me search for the miracles instead of the misery. And, and without put that energy out, guess what's coming back? That same miracle energy is coming back. Cause whatever you put out comes back. You know, what you sow is what you reap. And it goes back to scripture. Yeah, I just love that. I love that. And it's just so true. And so many times we choose so poorly. <laughs> Give your power away. That's right. Don't let nobody steal your joy for Jesus. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. I truly believe this statement, even on my darkest day. So how do you get there? Even on my darkest day? Because you can't say, you know, first of all, that's a statement. Not a question. God is good all the time, and all the time God is good. Period. Okay, that's just not when. That's just not you know when 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 you can pay your bills and everything's great. That's even when the foreclosure comes. That's even when the divorce comes. That's even when your sons passed away. That's every single day. And I'm not truly believe that statement. Even on the day my sons passed, God gave me instantaneous peace. I can't explain it. He did it. And so, and so that's just my personal, personal testimony that even on my darkest day, God is good all the time and all the time God is good. Kind of the crux of it is, do you believe that? It, it's right there in Hebrews eleven six where it says in, in order to please God, you must believe one that he exists and right. two, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Well, when do we ever most diligently seek him is when we're in trouble, right? (laughs) When it's painful, when it's confusing, when it's just, you know, there's no hope, whatever. We diligently, diligently seek him in those times. And he said the the prerequisite to that is to believe that he's going to bless us, that somehow he can bring something good out of this. And that changes everything. Every single thing. Even though none of us would ever choose this for any of our children or loved ones. Your boys have just leapfrogged all of the pain and struggle in the whole world and <laughs> gone straight into eternity. <laughs> yes, they were eight years old and they passed away on April Fool's Day. And so the two little practical jokers went home on the funniest day of the year. So it just it brings oh. me to life. Yeah. Oh, it's so beautiful. And that God prepared their hearts for it too. Oh, I mean, what a comfort to you. I, yeah. I sit and imagine them in the, cause, and this is so funny. Because both of these letters were written at school. <laughs> wow. well, you know, can't bring God in school. Both of these letters were written at school, and that's and that's one of the reasons why I, you know, in the in this in the documentary, their teachers are in this documentary sharing the day that they wrote those letters. 
And I just imagine Roger sitting in his, you know, second grade classes, cutting out, uh, uh, just cutting out, you know, this house and wrapping arms around the house and just, and, and Jesus just preparing him to come home within the next two weeks. I know. It's so incredible. And yet they didn't know. If you would have asked them, oh, like yeah. he said, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah, exactly. I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. I said, what are you calling? He said, no, mommy, I just love you. But, mm-hmm. but, but I do believe that um, the Holy Spirit, you know, had touched them in a way that's not the way that they could articulate or comprehend it on, on right. a human level. But spiritually, they were in preparation to go home. Just love it. I love you. I love your energy. I love your ministry. I love your willingness to tell this story and to oh, take it very well. It became my pleasure. But those first yeah. six months, me and God argued. I'm telling you, he won. Oh, I can imagine. If you guys want to um, definitely check out Angela's ministry, what is your personal website page? Miraclesinaction.com. Miraclesinaction.com. Absolutely. And you can check out her speaking ministry there or over at womenspeakers.com. Just type in her name or click California and you'll find her there. So great to spend this time with you, Angela. Thanks for your love. Thanks for your life. And thanks for sharing it with everybody. I am excited to introduce you today to my friend and featured speaker at womenspeakers.com, Sherry Strange. Excited to have you here, Sherry, and to just kind of introduce your ministry. Um, I told you earlier, but whenever I see your family picture, like my heart just explodes because it is one of my favorite family pictures anywhere, and it's because it's uh, full of a lot of people and a lot of colors. So tell us a little bit about your family. Well, there's 10 of us and uh, we are from three different continents. We have two biological children and then two from China and then four from Ethiopia. So there's six adopted and we did six adoptions in six years. So uh, that, that was, that was huge. Okay. So, like, where did you, okay, the idea just all of a sudden was in your head to start adopting? or how No, did you no, <laughs> I, I was a history major, and uh, one day I went to class when I was 19, and um, there was a professor who told us about the one-child policy in China, and I was doing some late-night walks with a gift fella, and I said, you know, one day I want to do something about that, and 15 years later, we did. And that just sort of started, you know, we got on the bus with our little infant, and, um, there was there were other families getting special needs children and we never thought about that I mean that was not on the radar but the yeah. special needs were like they were six or it was something that you could I felt like I could do you know a heart murmur or something so two years later we did that and then uh, a couple of years later we just jumped off the deep end with four um, healthy twin boys and a couple of girls and it's just wow. been cool ever since. Oh, I can't imagine what mealtimes are like. And uh, does everybody speak English? Oh, yeah. And uh, in fact, a couple of girls are in the, the girls are in the gifted program. The boys are in wow. AP classes. I mean, they're doing great. Wow. You know, That's it took awesome. a lot of work, yeah. but um, they're, they're just doing exceptionally well where they are. How did you have, how did you have the courage to actually do this, to actually, I mean, six is a lot of children to adopt. <laughs> you don't intend to do that you 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 take one step and you listen to the lord and you're obedient in that and then you 
you listen again and he says spend the whole bank account and you do it again <laughs> and you do it again because God is faithful and uh, you just have to trust him. Um, but but it, it is like jumping off the deep end. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know how it's going to turn out. So, so is God's your faithful. Husband- yeah, is your husband, does he work from home, or is he there? Oh, no, no. <laughs> he leaves. <laughs> he goes to work. But when he comes back home, he's all hands on deck. He's fabulous. Mm. He's a complete dad. So he loves doing it. He'd do it again in a heartbeat. <laughs> and you guys were in, you guys were hit by this hurricane recently? Yes, we flooded from the top down. So uh, we didn't have water come in the bottom, but from the top down. So it seeped down the walls and through the ceilings. So it was was a disaster, but we can live here, which was different than a lot of people. So I don't really complain too much, but, um, you know, it it was chaotic for us. So. Wow. Now, one of the things one of the things that you mentioned earlier to me is that you write for you version. Tell us a little bit about that. Right, you version offers reading plans all over the world, and uh, they're like devotional. So if you want to do a devotional on marriage or finances or trusting God, or if you're a new believer, anything that you can think of, you can get a reading plan on, and you can do it with friends or by yourself. And I have the opportunity and privilege to write those reading plans. And so I, anytime I want to submit something, I do. And you can find those under Cherry Strange on, on the app. They're free for you to use. Sometimes there's audio that's extra or video that's extra. And sometimes um, I can get a translator. They're in other languages. It's fabulous what the opportunity is wow. that the word of God goes out. It is awesome. That is so cool. So I see. I don't even know about this U version. That's yeah. cool. That's just all news to me. That yeah. is awesome. It's a neat opportunity. So one of the things that you were mentioning to me before we came on was that God's really challenging you in the area of courage. But honestly, when I listen to your life, your history, what He has you doing, it's kind of amazing to think that um, you are already one of the most courageous people on the planet. So tell us about this journey in the courage. Well, you know, I'm naturally sort of a wallflower. And so anytime God has called me out, it's not to stand in the back. I would prefer to stand in the back, but God has called me to the front over and over again. And so, you know, if he's called me as a team, I can do that. But individually, it's a little more, uh, daunting and well, it requires a lot of courage from me go back and tell us a little bit about that what's the team thing what do you mean by team well like my family you know we don't ever we don't jump off the deep end without a family meeting and God moving us all together and okay. so I don't have to move without my spouse or even my children and so we do it together but uh often when God is calling me out to be in the front that's not that they're not behind me and pushing me there because they are, (laughs) Um, but, but you actually have to go by yourself and do it. I have to stand there myself and come up with the material and trust God's going to be faithful to me and, and do in me what I don't think I can do. And so it requires a lot of courage. It really does. And I think being a speaker, being a writer, 
um, you know, being a worship leader, whatever, when you're taking that place up there, uh, you know, I have a girlfriend that just said about worship leading, she said, you know, you're really just standing up there naked and anybody can exactly. just point what out do you anything. <laughs> I know. Anybody can point out anything about you that they don't particularly and like right. and you just are there <laughs> to right. receive that, you know. And it does take a tremendous amount of courage to get out there and to just do it, whatever God is telling right. your heart to do. Oh, I love that you are, that you're just allowing him to use you, to flow through you, to um, share you. I mean, he's just he's just sharing you <laughs> with so many people. It's yeah, totally you know wonderful. what I find is there's not anything... So often when I'm writing something and, and putting it out on version or, or taking it to a group... It's it's what they're going through, you know. I'm not going gotcha. through a, a unique experience. It's it's yeah. a human experience. It's a felt yeah. need, and mm-hmm. if I can get it on paper or get it on uh, a, a, a device or in some sort of format that can be shared with someone else, God is going to use it in their life, and that's why I keep doing it. Yeah. So it's not just for me. It's it's it is absolutely to help stir that desire in someone else. Well, that is. So cool. Well, it's been great to just have a couple minutes to just talk to you face-to-face here and to share you with everybody. And you guys well, are I appreciate you so much, Marie. <laughs> you do so much for us, and we really oh. appreciate it. Well, it's my joy. If you guys want to learn more, just go over to womenspeakers.com. You can either go directly to Cherry's page, or you can click on Texas, and she will show up right near the top. You're one of our featured speakers over there. Love promoting your ministry. Thank you. I am so loving hosting these um, one-on-one conversations with women uh, from all over the country, all over the world. And I'm excited to hear your feedback. What are you thinking of perspective transformation? Are you enjoying this format? What can we do better? Maybe what should we change? What can we do to help you better grasp some of the aha moments that are coming through And, uh, you know, we're just kind of new, starting into this new format. We'd love to get your feedback. Before we close today, I want to leave you with a couple Bible verses based off of Cherry's um, talk about becoming more courageous. And one of them that always comes to mind for me is Joshua 1.6, be strong and of good courage, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. And I always like to think of as we go through life that we are the ones that God is using to draw other people to him that that they could inherit the things that he created for them to have in their lives. And then one of my favorite from the Amplified Bible, Philippians 1.28, I will not for a moment be frightened or intimidated in anything by my opponents and adversaries in the unseen world. For such constancy and fearlessness will be a clear sign to them of their impending destruction, but a sure evidence of my deliverance and salvation and that from God. Thank you so much for joining me for this edition of Perspective Transformation. I hope you'll share this around with friends and I help other people to know about this station. And also um, check back in, check back in with us next Wednesday afternoon, uh, airing live from 4 to 5 p.m. Eastern time, and then also around the web at the syndicates. Thank you so much for being here. I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye bye now.